Hello and welcome to The Slow Reader, a podcast about books. My name is Steve, and as the title suggests, I read a little bit slowly. Um, Maybe not at a snail's pace, as the artwork for the podcast might suggest, but uh, sometimes I take my time reading books, and, and this podcast helps push me a little bit to read a little bit faster sometimes. Uh, d- it depends on the book, really. Um, so this is my first episode for 2023. I have four books to cover, uh, and plus I'm going to talk really briefly about two books that I have coming up to read. Um I wanted to give a little bit of a wrap on 2022 first. I did this a little bit in the last episode, but uh, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I will just repeat. I'm sure I'm repeating this. I read 13 books last year. My goal is 15. I think that's okay. That's pretty uh, respectable for a number of books read compared to the goal. Um, And I think last episode I gave my highest and lowest ratings, but I didn't, I I pretty sure I didn't give, um, or I didn't say what my favorite book to read last year was. And my favorite last year was Flow My Tears, The Policeman Said by Philip K. Dick. And if you remember the episode I did that with, I recorded that with Josh Wettenkamp, who has his own podcast, Sci-Fi Shorts. Um, I read that, I, I gave that initially a low rating, but I bumped up the rating a little higher, but it still wasn't among my highest rated books. So it's not my favorite because of the quality necessarily, but because of the experience of reading it. I read it alongside Josh and it was like a little bit of a book club and and that was fun. And I, I like, I, I mean, I, lo- I like reading on my own, but it's kind of fun to read something alongside somebody else. So Hopefully this year we could do something similar again. Um, And speaking of this year, my goal for reading is 15 books. Um, I think I can hit that this year. I I think I've got no shortage of books to read. In fact, I've actually added some books to read since uh, since my I I didn't get to a lot of the items on my shelf last year that I was supposed to. But uh, I've got some interesting titles and, and I'll get to two of them coming up for sure. Um, But let's get right into the reviews. So the first book that I'm covering is uh, called Winning Fixes Everything by Evan Drellich. And uh, this was a review copy that I got from the publisher HarperCollins. Uh, My brother helped me with that. Uh, We did this for our podcast. Uh, And um, I I read this hmm, probably before... Christmas. I think it was in 2022. Anyways, um, this one I rated three out of five stars. I'll get that out of the way right away. Um, but uh, let me read you the synopsis, so to speak, of uh, of the book. So Winning Fixes Everything by Evan Drellich. The reporter who broke the Houston Astros cheating scandal offers an in-depth exploration of the team in Major League Baseball to uncover how a heralded organization could become so dishonest. As Moneyball thinking and Ivy League graduates took over Major League Baseball, one franchise set out to create a new blueprint to build a cost-efficient winning machine on the principles of the outside business world. Uh, There's more to the summary, but I think those two short paragraphs give you a pretty good idea of what, uh, what the book is about. So, like I said, I gave this one three out of five stars. So I'm just going to read you my review that I wrote on Goodreads because it pretty much says it all. 
I found this to be an interesting look at the operations inside the Houston Astros from 2011 to 2020, which included the 2017 cheating scandal and a short look at some of the ongoing cheating around the league from 2018 to 2019. I thought that the look at the operations and the background of the parties involved, particularly Jeff Lunau, was full of details that illustrated how the team wound up using electronic sign stealing in 2017 and showing no real remorse or accountability about it. However detailed those opening chapters might be, I felt at times it was disjointed and jumped around a little too much, and some threads were just lost entirely. And at different points, I also found it hard to follow who Drellich was talking about, though I credit that partly to how I was coming back to reading the book, because sometimes I would take uh, some lengthy breaks while reading it. Um, it, I did find it interesting that the pace of the book picked up considerably once Drellich came to the cheating scandal, although I think that could be my own inference because I found that part of the narrative more compelling than the rest of it. Uh, overall, I enjoyed the read, but I think it could use a little extra polish to push it to uh, an extra star or two. So yeah, once again, I gave that one three out of five stars. Well, up next, I got uh, The Terminal Man by Michael Crichton. And this book was actually a yard sale find along with, it was in a box set with Sphere and The Great Train Robbery. Um, I was looking for this book, The Terminal Man. Um, I can't remember which book it was, but it was one of the Jurassic Park books, either the first one or The Lost World, where um, there was a little blurb in in the front cover uh, well, actually, I've read these on ebooks, so in the the front matter, whatever you want to call it, a little blurb about the about this book and and what attracted me to it was uh, um, just it, it, well, you know what? I will read the synopsis from the back cover, and that'll help explain what I why this I was drawn to this book. So here we go. Harry Benson suffers from violent seizures, so much so that he requires a police guard when entering a Los Angeles hospital for treatment. Dr. Roger McPherson, head of the prestigious Neuropsychiatric Research Unit, is convinced he can cure Benson through a procedure known as Stage 3. During this highly specialized surgery, electrodes are placed deep in Benson's brain, sending monitored soothing pulses to its pleasure canyons. The operation is a success, until Benson discovers how to get those, the pulses with increasing frequency. He escapes from the hospital, a homicidal maniac with a deadly agenda. Um, so you know what, actually, that back cover gives away a lot of the book, like pretty much the entire plot. Um, but what drew me to the book was the description that I read was less detailed than that, but it was basically because it was about a man who was having seizures and had an implant entered in or put into his brain and uh basically something goes wrong because you know it's Crichton where technology goes wrong or whatever um I, I think I've mentioned this before but I have epilepsy and so since my diagnosis three years ago almost four years ago um things like in literature, in movies, TV, everything, I've seen epilepsy and seizures come up in a lot of material. And I think it's one of those cases where you you start seeing something uh, once you notice it, sort of like um, you keep seeing the same cars over and over, like Nissan Rogues. I point those out all the time because our neighbor has one. 
Um, so the so that's why I was drawn to this book. Um, so I I was lucky to find it at a yard sale. So the other two books I will read at some point, but they're um, not a huge priority for me. They were just kind of a side bonus. Um, I gave this one two out of five stars. Uh, in my Goodreads review, I wrote, quote, this is inferior Crichton. Um, I mean, I, I've only read the Jurassic Park books uh, for Michael Crichton. I haven't read anything else. But uh, it's, yeah, I I liked it. I would say it's better than most books, but it's not very good for Michael Crichton. And Unfortunately, I lost my notes. Um, I had something, I have this little moleskin book where I've been writing my notes for books. And my one note about it was uh, that all my notes were online. And of course, I can't find them now. So um, I wrote these, I wrote some other, some new notes from based on what I remembered. But uh, the idea of an internal control mechanism is actually not that far-fetched. Um, similar devices exist for diseases that affect motor skills in real life right now. So, um, and I have more on that when I cover uh, the last, the most recent book. Um, there are some nifty, that's another quote from my notes, the ones that I did have, uh, nifty AI bot stuff for a 1972 story. And it looks like the kind of stuff that we're doing today. In one section, there's a uh, a couple of artificial intelligence bots are in a chat, and there's a nice AI in it that interacts with a mean AI. Um, so the nice one is called George. The mean one is called Martha. And actually, in the book, it the Crichton actually calls the the mean AI a bitchy AI. Um, anyway, um, they they have the two interact, and eventually George becomes more and more annoyed with Martha. And he ends the chat saying, I hate you. I will kill you. Um, not, uh, I, I mean, I think that's the kind of thing that happens with uh, artificial intelligence. Maybe um, I haven't tried the chat GPT thing too often, but I, I kind of wonder what would happen if you kept messing with the input and, and seeing what comes out. But uh, I, the only thing about this that section is I'm not exactly sure how it fit into the overall story, just that it was neat. Um, but apparently this started out as a story in Playboy magazine, so that it, and it kind of reads that way, meaning that it seems like Crichton took the, the idea from a short story and just expanded it, but needed a little filler. So I think that might be where the AI stuff was added in after the fact. And, and overall... The ending just didn't really land for me, so that's why I gave this one two out of five stars. Uh, next up, I read uh, Futurama O-Rama, which is a collection of the first four issues of the Futurama comic. Um, I don't have the years handy right now on me, but uh, this is one that I bought with a gift card, um, probably from Christmas or a birthday or something. Anyway, um, this was kind of just filling out uh, an order uh, for some books. I was originally picking this up for uh, a Futurama podcast project that I started last year, but uh, I just I just didn't have the time to go through with it. Anyway, um, I gave this one three out of five stars as well. Uh, some of the things that I noted was that the writing sounds like the characters, um, kind of meaning that I could kind of hear their voices when I was reading the comics. So that was kind of cool. Um, the first issue was a standard no frill story. 
fried by some sea monkeys and they mutate unexpectedly and chaos ensues. Uh, the second issue, one of the notes I have, it must have been written before the episode Jurassic Bark came out because Fry talks about his dog Champ in in the story. So um, I guess he didn't have Seymour yet from the from the writers. And there was a pretty neat Silver Surfer cameo in this one. Um, the other two issues weren't too memorable, although there was one that centered on Zap Brannigan uh, doing a sort of Heart of Darkness parody. And that one was done fairly well, but uh, otherwise not too remarkable. But um, overall, I'd say that the writing could have been a bit tighter, but I think, uh, I think it was pretty fun. Uh, I'm glad that I picked it up and I have it on my shelf. Uh, so the last book that I read uh, was The Spare Man, a book by Mary Robinette Kowal. And this is actually the first book that I've read by this author. She is, I guess, most well known for The Calculated Stars. I think that's the the name of the book. Um, and I, I meant to read that one, but I just never got around to it. So it's kind of fallen off my list. But I, I bought this ebook to follow along with the Writing Excuses podcast, because I think in February, they're going to be doing a deep dive on the book. And I think that's what they're doing this season. They're doing deep dives on the uh, the host's works. So I had this on my list to read. So I, I wanted to get to it anyway. So this was kind of a, a nice push to get to reading it. So I'll read you the uh, the description of the book. This comes from Goodreads. Tesla Crane, a brilliant inventor and an heiress, is on her honeymoon on an interplanetary planetary space liner cruising between the moon and Mars. She's traveling incognito and is reveling in her anonymity. Then someone is murdered and the festering chowderheads who run security have the audacity to arrest her spouse. Armed with banter, martinis, and her small service dog, Tesla is determined to solve the crime so that the newlyweds can get back to canoodling and keep the real killer from striking again. You know, this is actually the first time that I read this description, and uh, it it seems kind of like a a cheesy description to me. And I don't think that Kowal wrote that summary from because from what I understand, the book publishers write these blurbs, and the authors have no control over it. Um, it's it's not good uh, from that uh, that if I were to read that uh, blurb on the back of a book, I probably would not have picked it up. Um, but the only the main reason that I picked this up, other than following the Writing Excuses podcast, is it was described as the Thin Man in space, and I, I'm I've never read the Thin Man, and there's a movie in uh, the 40s, I think. Um, it, it's basically a Dashiell Hammett mystery story from that series. And I, I wonder if I would have liked this book less if I had either seen the movie or read the book. But anyways, um, I'm getting ahead of myself. I rated this one three out of five stars. Uh, just overall, I thought that this was a pretty straightforward murder mystery set aboard a space cruise ship traveling to bars. Um, I liked actually that this was a murder mystery set in a confined area. Like there was, I mean, it was a very large cruise ship, which gave the, gave her a lot of space to work with, but they were essentially trapped 
on this cruise ship with nowhere to go. Um, there was sort of a countdown involved. Like they had a time limit. They had to solve this before they got to Mars, but that wasn't really a main thrust to the story. Um, and overall, I, I liked the setting. Uh, it's the not too distant future. And I think according to the notes at the back of the book, I think the launch date of this cruise ship was 2075. Um, I thought things are appropriately futuristic, but you can and you can see how it's extrapolated from current technology. And the big thing in this book was pronouns. Characters assume that someone is they them unless they're introduced otherwise. I thought this this was a, a pretty optimistic view of the future, and this also included courtesy masks because uh, apparently Kowal uh, did some rewriting of this book over the pandemic. And so she at specifically added courtesy masks to uh, to the story. I mean, they didn't really add anything other than to create atmosphere. Like, like I mean, they, they weren't par- uh, necessarily crucial to the plot. Although, uh, as mentioned in the summary of the book, um, the main character, Tesla, is trying to remain anonymous. Um, so sometimes she does use a mask to try and, and hide. But... Um, Speaking of the main character Tesla, um, I, I thought that she was she was built smartly. I, I don't know how best to say it, but so she has celebrity status and money. So this in itself leads to some plausibility that she would have the resources to access the things that she does and try and solve this murder. But it's not made too easy because Kowal puts up roadblocks along the way. Um, and one of those is that she's dealing with a disability that requires pain suppressant implant so she can dial it up or down. Um, and if it's if she has it too high, then it means that she can't feel anything and she could risk injury because of that. So it's sort of like if, you know, you go to the dentist and you, your your mouth is frozen, they caution you not to have like hot liquids because you could burn yourself and not realize it, you know, that kind of thing. But if it's too low, then her pain is debilitating. And in one part, actually, her her uh, internal mechanism gets turned off and she completely collapses. Um, and I, I won't give too much away uh, of that part because it's uh, part of part of the end of the book. But um, apparently I'm just pulling up the information here. Apparently, the author's mother um, has Parkinson's disease and she had a similar kind of implant uh, to help with it. And uh, it was like night and day. And that's something that uh, Kowal describes in the about the science uh, part of uh, of the book at the end. So that that's pretty cool and and very encouraging for modern science. Um, so other other than that, I've got some like quotes that I pulled out. Uh, I have the annotations open here in front of me. Um, so there there's lots of uh, there's lots of very interesting language. Um, one of her, the characters is Tesla's lawyer and she has some funny turns of phrase phrases. And one of them that I highlighted was of all the incompetent mammering lobsters. It's, I don't know that just, that one just stood out to me. It's kind of stupid, but I just, the, the imagery, I guess, of mammering lobsters doesn't really mean anything, but it's, uh, it's just a, a fun turn of phrase. Um, there was also, uh, another, another part uh, where the there was a description of the people in the room. 
Without waiting for an answer, Weiser stomped off to the next interviewees, a couple whose wardrobes were so stylish that the clothes were wearing the people. And I think that kind of is a gives you a good descriptor of, uh, the, you know, like really fashionable people who wear some, you know, out there clothing and whatnot. Um, but one thing that I, I picked out a lot was uh, from page 224 of my ebook. Um, this was uh, uh, a, a technique that Tesla uses to help focus because she also has uh, post-traumatic uh, tra- PTSD. I can't remember. Post-traumatic stress di- disorder. Sorry, I, I blanked on that. That's that part of the thing that happens to me all the time. Um, so she has a technique that she uses to focus and stay in the now. And I, I think it's based, it's a, an actual uh, process that some people use. Uh, but this is how it's described. There's a technique I use sometimes to focus. Five things I see, four things I hear, three things I touch two things I smell, and one thing I taste. So I, I don't know if I'd ever use that, but that uh, seems like a really grounding technique so you can, uh, you know, try to keep yourself in the moment and not get lost and everything. So that was pretty cool. I like that a lot. Um, and there's there's a few quotes that I picked out, but uh, um, there's there's one, I, I won't read it out, but uh, it was basically um, the maybe the only part where I really felt like the, the couple, uh, Tesla and her husband were kind of a real couple. Um, there was, uh, there was a line where like, didn't, didn't we see that person dancing at whatever restaurant this was? And, and Tesla responds with, I was just thinking that. And like, that's one of those things where, um, you know, if, if you're with somebody a long time, you tend to think the same way and, and, uh, you you both kind of are thinking of the same thing. And I find that happens a lot with, with my wife. Uh, we kind of both think of the same thing with before we say it. So th- I thought that was pretty realistic. But uh, there are things that I didn't like about the story. I mean, I gave it three out of five stars. So it's not a perfect book. Um, the actual investigation, the the like the the major part of the book didn't really start until I was about 60% of the way through, at least not in earnest. Um, some of the information reveals are things that readers can't possibly pull from the text. Um, and then there were other points where I found it unclear what was happening. Either the description of the action was poor or mostly in the beginning, the use of they, them wasn't clear. Um, I, I think, I think it was at the beginning, mainly that the author was trying to introduce us to the, um, to the, gender binary uh, uh, or non-gender pronouns. And that kind of led to some confusion in the way that uh, she was writing the the novel. Like I got used to it, but there were still points where it got confusing the way she was writing it. I think probably there could have been some more clarity there. Um, Overall, though, a fun read. There's Unfortunately, no way that you could deduce the killer from the info revealed as you read, but the final solution is backstopped and everything fits when you think back to it. Um, there was a, there's also a fun scene where the several suspects were gathered in a theater, kind of a stand-in for your, your parlor reveal, and you think it's going to be a reveal scene, but there's a little bit of a twist. I, I won't give that, one, give that one away. 
Um, and, and yeah, I'm glad that there's some genuine science research in play. It's, it's obviously exaggerated a little bit. Some of it's not real, but it's based in reality. So that's pretty cool. So I, I was wondering though, who is the titular spare man in this story? I have my guess, but I, I won't spoil it. But if you have read it or want to, want to know my answer, send me a direct message on Twitter. I'm at Stephen underscore G. I'm also on Mastodon. If you want, uh, you can search for at SR Gower and, uh, and you can find me there. Uh, I, I'd love to talk about it if you, if you have, uh, if you have a few minutes. So that's it. Those are the four books that I read coming up for 2023. Uh, I'm not sure when I'll finish these, but I have, uh, two more mysteries or crime novels, I guess, to, to read, um, First up uh, is Caves of Steel by Isaac Asimov. This one was suggested to me by Josh, uh, who I mentioned before. And uh, and then I also picked up from a used bookstore something called Asimov's Mysteries, also by Isaac Asimov. Um, these look like they're short stories, uh, all mysteries set in space. Um, so... I'm not sure what I'm going to get to after that, but I think after those two books and after The Spare Man, I think I'm probably going to take a little bit of a break from sci-fi, so I'll pick something else uh, either from my shelf or there's there's a few things that uh, that I have lined up that I could read that aren't science fiction. So uh, thanks for listening. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at Stephen underscore G or at SR Gower on Mastodon, um, and we'll see you next time. 